The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and as we do every single Tuesday, we are coming to you with our film breakdown episode. This film breakdown show is coming after the Giants' loss to the Cleveland Browns, 20-6, a game where the Giants actually flashed some pretty good things when we watched the game a second time, some takeaways that we're able to pick out, and we're going to bring up a number of things that maybe you didn't notice the first time around watching this game when you were watching it live. I want to open things up right away, Chris. Let's hit on something that deserves some credit. The first drive of the game, and also the first few drives of the game, I thought were executed very well, but particularly this first drive, minus the point where we get up to the third and five, where it was uh, a bad pass by Colt McCoy over his intended receiver's head, and then the goofy fake field goal that we watched, the swinging gate that we witnessed. After that, besides all those plays, it was a really, really good drive. They were running a lot of trap. They were picking up good chunk yardage on the ground with Wayne Gallman. The ball was coming out very quickly out of Colt McCoy's hands because they were then trying to counter those rushing plays and try and slow down those rushing plays. So they moved down the field very efficiently and were helped out by a really good return by Deion Lewis. But I think what hurt them and started to hurt them down the line, and this is going to end up leading into a second point that we have, The fact that they were not able to score touchdowns on these drives, I think, really held them back. Because when you have that early offensive success, a good defensive team is eventually going to catch on to stuff like that. They're going to figure out in the third or the fourth quarter that, oh, they're just running trap to either a gap and they're going to keep running it until we stop it. So once you are keying on that and you realize some of the tendencies of the offensive linemen in front of you, you're going to be able to slow that stuff down. You're going to be able to slow down those routes that are being run towards the boundary that are really quick passing plays for Colt McCoy. And that's what we saw what happened. They didn't take advantage of those early opportunities to score points when they needed to because it was too late for them to do anything in the third or the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, But by the time the second half rolled around, 
the Giants were really in a bind because they had to score points and they were more or less playing into the Browns' hands by that point. The Browns had, they knew what the Giants were going to be doing by the second half. And the things that worked so well in the first half, you know, those chunk runs, the quick passes that got the ball out of Colt McCoy's hands, uh, gave him some very quick, very easily defined and seen reads that put some of the Browns' defenders in in conflict and really did a good job of playing off their tendency to play aggressive man coverage. And it got some of the Giants' receivers open. Now, you know, we know the Giants' receivers kind of struggled to separate on their own. But in this game, the Giants were able to scheme some separation. Like on the first play, we saw that big uh, pass to Sterling Shepard. I believe it was the second drive. They had a big pass to Darius Slayton. You know, the, the Giants were getting the ball out quickly, but they were also picking up chunk plays, chunk plays on the ground, chunk plays through the air. And that's something we haven't seen lately. And it led to some really good offensive play. But unfortunately, they just were not able to capitalize on that. No, and, and capitalizing on it leads into very efficiently into the, the point that we want to bring up. You might have noticed on Twitter, people were really split on the aggressive decision to go for it on fourth down on multiple instances and not take those field goals. Well, if we look back at it, you kick those two field goals, it is a 12 a 20 to 12 game. That does not win you the football game. I'm not worried about that. I honestly have no issues with being aggressive going against a good rushing team that you know is eventually going to have success at the very end of the game to close it out. A team that put up 40 points the previous week. You need to be aggressive when the playoffs are on the line and you're trying to make the playoffs. But I think we need to realize the bigger issue was not that aggressiveness in play calling and willingness to go for it, but rather the lack of ability to convert on third down and score touchdowns during those drives. The Giants had, if we look at it, four opportunities to score touchdowns. They, they converted on two field goals, and then the two other times they went for it. Had they scored two touchdowns in, in, in those four instances, this would have been a tie ball game. And I know this is a, 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 a looking at it in the coulda, shoulda, woulda perspective, but I think we should be talking about a little bit more how they weren't able to convert and score in the red zone with clear scoring opportunities after putting together more drives, or really good drives rather, instead of being worried about choosing to go for it on fourth down. Yeah, I actually like how aggressive the Giants were with their decision making. Yeah, I believe that is a good process, and over time it will it will have positive results for them. It's just that in this game they didn't have the personnel, the manpower to get it done. They didn't execute well enough. And also the Browns had just some very good coverage in the end zone. There were a couple plays where yeah, the, the ball was battered away at the last second. Uh, I believe there was one, Colt McCoy had Darius Slayton, but he slips and goes down. And that would have been a touchdown. You know, it's just these little things that were the difference in the game. But, you know, that, that's one of the common themes of the season is just it's little things every game that just add up and add up. And the Giants just don't have enough on their roster to overcome the what turns into almost like a snowball of little things that by the end of the game is almost an avalanche. Right, and it's just simple execution. It's it's nothing that we can pinpoint and say, like, oh, they should have done this, they should have done that. I think that's 
taking that perspective isn't very useful from from where we're coming from. It's just that they, they didn't execute in those situations. You talked about just slipping. That something as simple as slipping on your route while the ball is being thrown to your back shoulder and you're going one way. That's just execution. That's just mistakes happen during the game but if things went the other way and they were able to convert in those situations the game would have been completely different that's why we were talking about immediately after the game how the score of 20 to 6 was not truly indicative of how the game was played offensively it wasn't played out the way that it looks in the box score and we try to avoid doing that of just talking about the box score if we actually look at and analyze what happened in the game, I think this game would have actually been a lot closer if they had converted in those situations. Yes, absolutely. And I think the other side of the coin there is the Browns were having absolutely no problems moving the ball on the Giants, and they were able to score when they got down into the red zone. So if the Giants went for those field goals, you know, I think there's definitely an argument there that the Browns only scored 20 points because that's all they needed to score. You know, they more or less gave up on trying to score for the entire fourth quarter and really a fair a fair bit of the third quarter after they scored that their third touchdown to get to 20. And you know, if the Giants had, had kicked the field goals and made it a one-score game instead of a two-score game, at the end of the game, it's entirely likely that you see Baker Mayfield coming out and throwing and attacking the Giants defense instead of handing off to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for pretty much the entire quarter. One other thing we would like to hit on just to wrap up our offensive takeaways and thoughts here, we do have to give some credit, and this is one of the things that we love to do on the show, giving credit when credit is due. Cole McCoy didn't play as bad as I think we expected, statistically not really astounding, but asking him to step in and just keep the offense on schedule is what you want from your backup quarterback. That's what we, we saw from him. We saw him being able to just move the offense early on in the game, keep it moving forward, and then when they asked him to do a little bit more outside of that original game plan, that's when he started to get a little bit sloppy. Colt McCoy's not a guy who's going to play hero ball and win you a football game, but he played up to what the Giants needed him to do, which was stay efficient, don't turn the ball over, get the ball out quickly, pick up just 10 yards on those simple passing uh, those routes that were going towards the boundary and then continue to hand the ball off. So uh, we got to give credit to Cole, Cole McCoy. I thought that he played a very, very good football game. Yeah, I, I would say Colt played well enough for the Giants to win with him. Maybe not well enough to win because of him, but there are really not all that many quarterbacks in the NFL whose teams win because of how they play. But I would say Colt played well enough where if the players around him executed more consistently that the Giants could have won with him starting. Yeah, I thought his release was very crisp and I thought he was he did a lot to help the Giants pass protection. Yeah. NFL Next Gen Stats had him with one of the fastest releases in the NFL on Sunday. He only held the ball for just a little over two and a half seconds, despite looking about ten yards down the field which is further than the Giants have routinely looked this year, but he's he also got the ball out faster than they generally have this year. And that helped the offensive linemen because they don't have to hold up for as long. They don't have to block Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi and all of these guys for 
three seconds. They only had to block for two and a half seconds. And yeah, that's only a half a second, but that makes a big difference. And also, I saw a lot of Giants fans talking about how inaccurate Colt McCoy was, but going back and watching, yeah, he was on target for a, probably about three quarters of his passes, which considering he was looking further down the field is fairly impressive. Yeah, he had four passes where the Browns just played great defense. They got their hands up. They knocked the ball away from his receivers. And then he had another two, I believe, you know, Darius Slayton in the end zone. There was another one with uh, Sterling Shepard. Their feet went, on, went out from under them as they were trying to work back from the ball. Uh, I think Darius Slayton also had another drop or two. So the fact that Colt McCoy had a, I believe it was a 61 or 62% completion, that wasn't entirely his fault. Now, he obviously had some where he was just off. He just missed his guy. But he generally put the ball where it needed to be. And, you know, I don't think we can lay this loss at Colt McCoy's feet, even though he stood up there and as the backup quarterback took responsibility. Yeah, that, that was the other thing, too. He, he goes up to the podium and I think like a true veteran quarterback takes responsibility for the loss. And I mean, Colt, I, I don't think you need to. This was just a, a game where the, you know, the, the cards are stacked against you. You weren't going to be able to put up 30 points to win this football game. It was just execution that didn't come down to it on, on a few plays. But, it, you know, it's nice to see that, that he does take responsibility. That's what a veteran leader does instead of pointing the finger at some other guys who maybe struggled. We're going to transition to talking about some defensive points and takeaways that we had from this game. Before we do so, folks, we're going to take a really short break, and we will be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So, Chris, we, we need to reiterate and, and, and come back, circle back to a point that we brought up during the Quick Takeaways show after the game and actually seeing things play out in a full scope, I started to realize what the impact of not having James Bradbury was. It's it's simple to just say, oh, no James Bradbury, and that's going to impact your passing defense. That was the simple approach to it. But when we actually watch and see, we observed and, and noticed, and I noticed, that Isaac Yadam was being thrown into a lot of contested catch situations. And I don't think Yadam played horrible. I don't think this was his worst game of the year. We've seen him do a lot worse, but asking him 
to be the number one corner on this Giants team, he was put in these situations where he had to make contested plays on 50-50 balls. And what we witnessed is him not being capable of doing that. He's just not James Bradbury. He allowed a lot of catches. There are three specific ones that come to mind in the first half alone. And had that been James Bradbury, which we tend that we continually have seen all year, if Bradbury were in those spots, those passes straight up, I can confidently say, I don't think they would have been completed because that is what James Bradbury does best. He shuts down opportunities for guys to make contested catches. And we didn't have Bradbury for obvious reasons. He wasn't out there. And that was where that impact came, allowing contested catches on third downs. And there was also even a touchdown play to Jarvis Landry that if that was Bradbury, I think it would have come out differently. Yeah, and I think that is Bradbury's biggest value to the Giants. You know, first, his ability to match up on a lot of different receivers and handle them by himself, which makes life easier for the the rest of the Giants' defensive backs. But also, on third downs in the red zone, Patrick Graham likes to put James Bradbury where he knows the offense wants to go. You know, put him on Jarvis Landry or Rashad Higgins. if they identify tendencies in the Browns offense that they like to go to this particular receiver in this particular situation. But Bradbury makes it look as though his man is open. And I think that is why we again and again see quarterbacks attack the guy Bradbury has in coverage. And we just keep asking, why is he doing this? Why are they doing this? Why do they keep doing this? And it's because Bradbury makes it look like the guy is open right until he slams the window shut on them. Now, I am I do want to temper this just a little bit in, in saying that you know the, the Giants didn't lose because they didn't have James Bradbury. It was, a, it was absolutely a factor. But I also think the Browns watched the Cardinals tape. They saw how the Cardinals attacked the Giants' zone defenses. And once again, we saw the Giants on, in a zone defense about two-thirds of the time. You know, they played some man, but not much. And the Browns consistently went with a lot of zone beaters, a lot of uh, layered routes to put the Giants in coverage conflicts and responsibility conflicts. And then Baker Mayfield just saw where the bodies were kind of congregating and went elsewhere. And that made it very easy, especially as well as he was playing, to move the ball and keep the offense on the field and keep the Giants defense on the field and keep getting opportunities to score and convert and opportunities for his team to execute. So I think having Bradbury would have had an impact. The Browns also had a, they had a very good idea of how to attack this defense. And continuing the conversation on secondary players that participated in this game, there's two guys I want to hit on one a little bit more than the other. Julian Love was asked to play outside corner, something that he hasn't really done since his time at the University of Notre Dame. He was originally outside corner. The Giants then convert him and move him to safety. And he's been playing a little bit in between in his time here with the Giants since Patrick Graham has taken over. He's been kind of moving around. They've been using him as a movable piece. And he's been a hair inconsistent throughout this season. Some really good games, some questionable games. But Julian Love, I thought that he did pretty good considering the circumstance. He didn't grade that well on PFF. And you can do with that with whatever you want. I know some people aren't fam, fans of taking those grades and taking that 100% as what they are depicting the performance as. 
But what Julian Love had to do going out there playing outside corner, I think that that's an indication of what he should be used more to do, playing maybe a little bit more slot corner, being asked to cover guys more instead of just playing that strictly safety role in space. I, I just I think you can probably take what came from this game and move forward with it and try to increase his role a little bit more because he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I really liked how Julian Love played, and I think that's something – the Giants can carry forward from this game, you know, something they can learn, take away from it and incorporate into future game plans is using Julian Love as that Swiss army knife in the secondary as a movable piece, because he can play safety, he can play slot corner, he can play outside corner. And with as much as Patrick Graham likes using versatile defenders to mix and match, uh, create and take advantage of matchups, put a lot on the quarterback's plate with identifying alignments and disguising coverages and rotating coverages and all of that, the ability and versatility that Julian Love showed against the Browns should be an asset for that going forward. I also want to give some credit to Xavier McKinney, who is now getting more and more opportunities to play. He had a very increased role, and I'm sure not having James Bradbury was part of that decision to work him in more. But seeing Xavier McKinney out there, he wasn't somebody that really stood out the first time in watching this game live just because we don't have the back-end view during the broadcast on pretty much every single play, but his impact was starting to stand out a little bit more, and I think that we're only getting the early glimpse of what Xavier McKinney can become with this defense, maybe next season, because right now he's basically playing his preseason. If we're being realistic here, all these younger guys, the first four games was the preseason for them. Xavier McKinney sits out all this time. Now is his preseason. And I think next year is when we'll see Xavier McKinney take that true step forward. But I'm going to continue to watch out for him and see what he does, because I think he's only going to get better as the season finishes up. Yeah. And I think it's probably a good thing that we didn't really hear about him during a game. You know, generally, if you hear from a safety, it's because they either made a great play or a great play was made against them. Yeah, if you don't hear their name called, that's not a bad thing. And I do think it's actually kind of similar to Julian Love. It's a good thing that he played as much as he did and he played as many different roles as he did. He played some slot corner. He played some free safety. He played some uh, box or strong safety. And like Julian Love, having that versatility, you know, he what McKinney wasn't drafted to be a center fielder for a cover one defense. You know, that that was what the Browns were hoping to get from Grant Delpit before he got hurt. The Giants drafted McKinney to be, again, another movable piece, another defensive Swiss Army knife. And having both of those players show the ability to do that, it, that might not help this year but it will give them tools to work with as they move forward into next year. Well, folks, that is going to be it from us on this film breakdown episode. We're going to move on to the Giants next game. They are very close to finishing up this season. We will do a film breakdown as we always do to, again, wrap up these final few weeks. That is going to be probably coming out to you on Thursday. If anything changes just because we have the holiday coming up, uh, we will definitely keep you updated on that. If you see the, the episode out a day earlier or any, anything, just just know that we might got shift, might have been shifted a little bit because of the holiday. Please, if you enjoy the show, though, go hit that subscribe button. Stay up to date on 
everything related to the show by hitting that subscribe button. And if you really like it, leave us a five-star review and let us know why you enjoy the show by writing us a review. Uh, additionally, go follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Raptor MKII, and at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for more Giants news and analysis, head to BigBlueView.com um, where you'll find news, analysis, anything that you might need that covers the New York Giants. We'll talk to you on Thursday, folks, as we prep you for the next game.